Hello and welcome to another episode of the Backcheck, the Hockey History Podcast, where we evaluate the Hall of Fame cases of NHL players. My name is Riley. I'm with Bill. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing right, thanks. And today we have the class of 1994, uh, Hall of Fame class of 1994, and it's it's a weird one because for some reason in 1994 the Hall of Fame decided there were no eligible players who had recently retired. <laughs> Uh, they didn't. They weren't interested in any of the European guys who had come over and pioneered and been retired for years. And one of which later, Nedimansky, they inducted many years later. Uh, they weren't interested in Rick Martin. Uh, they weren't interested in J.C. Trombley, who's a player that we've never yet managed to. One day, I'm going to get him into an episode. Um, there were probably there's probably other uh, players that we could think of who they weren't interested in. And instead, they inducted uh, guys who retired in. 1937 and 1957, respectively, uh, in 1994. So those guys are Lionel Conacher and Harry Watson. And I should point out that it's the later Harry Watson. There are two Harry Watson hockey players, one of whom was born in 23, and that's who we're going to be talking about today. And the other um, was born in 98. They are both in the Hall of Fame, but the Harry Watson that was born in 98 never played in the NHL. He was a he was an amateur player, and I don't know if he ever played in the NHA. I don't think so. So this this is the guy. So just in case you were confused, if you were like, wait, Harry Watson? I don't know who's who's thinking about that. But um, <laughs> So uh, we're going to start with Harry Watson, uh, because I think it's safe to say he's the less interesting of the two of them. Um, and he played from 1941 to 1943, then he went to the war like so many other players and then he came back and played for another 12 seasons so 14 seasons total nine quality by our modern standards uh he was 12th all-time in goals at his retirement and 19th all-time in points um and he was third all-time in games played as retirement so that would be one of the big things in his favor also um he barely qualifies for the hockey reference uh, goals per game leaderboard. And at his retirement, he's 25th all time in games uh, goals per game. But of course uh, he would no longer be anywhere near that because of the era he played in. Um, he wasn't drafted of course, cause he played well before the draft started era wise um, of the 17 players to play in at least 656 games uh, between 1941 and 1957. And if you say that's arbitrary, it's because it's eight modern seasons. He was fifth in goals, sixth in goals per game, 12th in assists, 13th in assists per game, though he doesn't actually qualify for that leaderboard, sixth in points and ninth in points per game. So top 10-ish player, depending, like if you look at assists, top 15, look yeah. at goals, top five or six, points, top 10. And it's the original six era. So, uh, you know, I don't know what we make of top 10 player in the original six era. Maybe uh, his A2 game average is a very unimpressive 45 points. On the other hand, that was uh, the t that was it was a low scoring era. His three year peak of 46 to 49, just post war um, 60 game average of 45 points. So same average points, but way shorter season. So he. He definitely peaked. Playoff-wise, um, he was six, uh, 25th all-time, sorry, in goals. Playoff goals is retirement, but not um, on either on the other leaderboards versus or points or games played. Um, his playoff numbers are not good. Uh, so he was maybe a top 10 offensive player in the regular season. He is not that in the playoffs. 
uh, 16th in goals, 43rd in assists, and 28th in points. And when you do it per game, it's worse. Wow. So uh, he just did, doesn't did, have good playoff did numbers. Did he play for a bad team? Like, um, He did not. He played for the Leafs. I mean, he also played for the, the Red Wings. At one point, he played for the Americans. But like when he was in the playoffs, he played for the Leafs mostly. And the Leafs, of okay. course, were in the late 40s were the best team in the league um is that yeah they won three cups in a row um in fact they might have won four cups and when they at one point they did win four cups in a row but he might he missed that first one i think um adjusted for era uh helps him a lot it bumps his 82 game up average up to 59 points so that's plus 14 points per 82 games but still 59 for 82 is is not usually hall of fame worthy for a uh yeah, still checking that he was a left wing and not a center. Yeah, um, and uh, the versus X adjustment, uh, he doesn't qualify for assists or points, just for goals. It put, puts him up to 395 goals, which is obviously a lot more than he had. But as we've said many, many times, versus X adjustment likes the 30s and the 40s. Um, trade wise, uh, we're just rushing through it. Trade wise, he was uh, transferred. Uh, from the Americans to the Red Wings in a dispersal draft when he was 19 years old. And then a little bit later, he was traded uh, to the Maple Leafs at 23 for Billy Taylor, who had a, if memory serves, better career. Uh, though Billy Taylor was 27 at the time. So um, I actually don't know if Billy Taylor had already peaked before that trade or not. Um, I actually didn't. Billy Taylor had a bit better of a career. Uh, anyway. He, and Billy Taylor, should be noted, is not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, anyway, um, and then at 31, he's traded to the Blackhawks for cash, but he, he spent you know a good chunk of his career with the Maple Leafs. He was a top 10 offensive player twice in 46 and 47. He was top five in goals once, top five in goals per game once. He scored 25 goals once, 20 goals four times. Top 10 in points once. He was in seven All-Star games somehow. Despite all these like relatively meager accomplishments, he made it to seven All-Star games. It was a different time. There were six teams in the league. Man. Um, the versus X peak adjustment, he only qualifies for the goals, and it has him for his best seven seasons at 151st all-time and best 10 seasons at 141st. And so that certainly begs the question. Um, he won some cups which is possibly why he is in the Hall of Fame. I was about to say he might, he must have multiple cups. To... He does indeed have multiple cups. If I'm not mistaken, he has five. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, those are uh, with the Red Wings in 43, and then with the Leafs in 47, 48, 49, and 51. And uh, he only had a top three forward roll by points on a uh, Red Wings team that lost in the first round. So he was a top six forward by points on three champions, 47, 48, 49. And he was a role player by points on the 43 Red Wings. And he was, he, he was injured on the, on the 51 Leafs that, uh, that won as well. He missed over 50% of the games. Um, now, of course, that's by points, right? The one thing we don't know is we never know with these players who played before we were born and before there were any kinds of defensive metrics and before, uh, you know, there's a lot of footage um, is whether or not a player like this was good defensively. However, um, it's pretty clear. I think one of the reasons I was racing through all that is like 
there's not a lot of a case here, right? Like it's this is not a guy who uh, was a star. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's got to be it's got to be the championships and maybe just like reputation, right? And sort of you know maybe harkens back to the golden era of when the Leafs were, you know, winning, you know, multiple cups in a row, and yeah, you know, I I think a lot of that sort of nostalgia for that that era probably the well, I want to say the only great Leafs era, but maybe the greatest Leafs era. Then I think that's maybe that what gets him in, right? Yeah, so I'm going to the 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 48 Maple Leafs, which is when he had his best playoff performance. And um, one, two, three, four, five, including Watson, there are five Hall of Famers on this team. They're just from like reputation. There's at least one guy who had a like Wally Stanowski is not in the Hall of Fame and had a pretty good career. But there's Turk Broda, Ted Kennedy, Max Bentley, Silaps, and Watson. Watson is the least of those offensive players, and obviously Turk Broda is a goalie. Uh, but like, it's he's the second liner, at least by points, on that team. Like Ted Kennedy had twice as many points as Harry Watson did in that. Uh, like Ted Kennedy's in the Hall of Fame because of his playoff career. I think it's safe to say. Um, yeah. And uh, like Harry Watson is not in the Hall of Fame because of his playoff career, or should like shouldn't be because he's like a, a not the star. Um, I don't know if like some of those other teams had more Hall of Famers, but I think you're on to something, Bill. I think there's a tendency, especially in the original six era, to look at these like dynasties and be like, we got to put more of those players in because they were such good teams. And like, if you look at the 49 Leafs, it's Kennedy, Bentley, Broda, and then Watson's the fourth, only the fourth Hall of Famer on that team, which that might seem totally reasonable to us in this day and age to have less than like five hall of famers on a team because there's so many teams. But for a lot of these original six teams, it's often you go, you go look up their, um, their roster and they have like a bunch of hall of famers. Right. And I do think maybe it was just like, we got to reward somebody for being on these excellent teams. And maybe, maybe Watson was this like great defensive player. Um, I, I didn't see anything in his biography to indicate that. Um, Oh, he didn't take penalties. People like that. They, you know, they like both. They like too many penalties. <laughs> they like no penalties. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You're either you're either Lady Bing or you're beating the crap out of everybody or we don't care. <laughs> yeah. But like he has no end of season all-star teams. He he has one top 10 heart vote. Not top five. Uh, One season, sorry, when he, he made it into the top 10. Um, he never, he was never the best player on his team as far as I know. And maybe in the regular season he might've been, but certainly not in the playoffs. Um, it's like, I don't know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. He led, he led the regular season, maybe at least in 49 in points, uh, when they were all scoring well, less than a point per game. All right. But then when it came to the playoffs, guess what he didn't do? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I got I, I got nothing. Like, I, I just don't. It makes no sense to me, this guy. Um, I wonder if they confused him with the other. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Wouldn't that be so Hall of Fame? Like, whoops. Wow. Yeah. He's going to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? We already inducted that Harry Watson? Oh, shit. I guess we'll just put the other one in, too. Okay. Well, it's, um, it, it, it's a thing the Hall of Fame does, though, right? When you're part of a great team, 
yeah. you sort of get remembered as maybe better than your stats would bear out or better than you were even. Um, you so, know, I mean, Kevin Lowe's in the Hall of Fame just because he played for the Oilers. There's no way he's on the Hall yeah. of Fame if he plays for any other team. So Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, and this it certainly seems like this is a case. I mean, like he had like, you know, one one or two good years mm-hmm. where he was one of the 10 best players in a six-team league, which means a lot less than in a 30-team league. Yeah, it's like um, maybe the second or third best player on your team, Yeah, most likely. Uh, but like, he was on a very good team. But yeah. the, the, the problem is, too, like, you know, we never saw him play, so it's, you know, like we're, you know... And that's the thing with the Hall of Fame, right? It's like, yeah, he had a, he had a very good career. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just if you're going to keep the Hall of Fame for, you know, the best of the best, then, you know, he probably doesn't get in. But the Hall of Fame's sort of standard of the, the Hall of, you know, there's the Hall of Fame, and the, but they also include the Hall of Very Good in with the Hall of Fame, right? So, so um, Hockey Reference does this thing where they adjust, they, like, compare players, right? Like, it's called a similarity score, and they do they – do, uh, Point, they use point shares. And here are the players that Harry Watson compares with most favorably. Murray Oliver, Dean Prentice, Shane Corson, Dick Duff, who we both agreed probably doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame, but is, Antoine Vermette, Bob Pulford, who will be an interesting episode when we get to him, who is in the Hall of Fame, Chris Gratton, Thomas Steen, Greg Adams, and Mike Ricci. That's just straight up by point shares, right? Um, if you, and that's for the 15 years. If you do it a career, it's most of the same players, but there's Ralph Backstrom's in there, uh, Jordan Stahl, Murray Craven. These are not even the guys who are in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> of the yeah. two guys who are in the Hall of Fame. These are not Hall of Fame players, you know? And it's just, anyway, it, it sure feels like uh, this. I, I, I have no idea what they were trying, what, error they were trying to correct and i think you're absolutely right bill i think they're just there were a bunch of voters who were who remembered those 40s maple leafs and were like how are there only three or four maple Leafs uh guys from those teams on there who can who else from those teams can we put in they're like well harry watson was the best regular season player on one of them sure yeah but like he this is a guy who was for his era 28th playoff points it's just, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Uh, well, sorry. <laughs> I guess you have any, you have any like pushback on this at all? No, I have no, no pushback whatsoever. I definitely think you got in just because you played for a great team. Yeah. All right. Um, so we talked about Roy Conacher a few episodes ago, four episodes ago, and now we're talking about his older brother, Lionel, who, uh, get ready, folks, is, uh, <laughs> is something um i it is one of the strangest things i think um that i was not aware i knew of lionel conacher's name because he's brother he's like from from this famous hockey family i did not know anything about his uh incredible athletic achievements um specifically outside of hockey which we're going to mention because this guy was something so he played from 1925 to 37. So before uh, he started way before either his brothers, I believe I looked it up and there was an 18 year difference between Lionel and Roy and like, or 15 or something like that. And then like seven or eight between Lionel and Charlie. Um, so he played for 12 seasons, 10 of which are quality by our modern standards. He was 10th all time among defensemen 
in goals in his retirement, fifth all-time in assists, and seventh all-time in points at his retirement, 16th all-time total among all skaters at his retirement, and fourth among defensemen. And he was ninth all-time in point shares at his retirement, fifth among defensemen. So, yeah, he, you know, he both had some offensive numbers as a defenseman at a time when nobody, you know, there weren't there weren't a lot of defensemen scoring, and also he just, by point shares, was ranked fairly well. Um, you know, 16th in games, but ninth in point shares. He was definitely contributing a little more. Um, he was also eighth all-time in defensive point shares when he retired and fourth all-time in offensive point shares among defensemen. He obviously doesn't qualify for any leaderboards for the per-game stuff, but if you uh, set a uh, if you set a games qualifier instead of the, the points qualifier um, among defensemen when he retired, he was fifth all-time in goals per game, fourth all-time in assists per game, and fifth all-time in points per game, which gives you some idea. Given that he had 78 goals and 100 assists at his retirement, gives you some idea of how little defensemen scored back then. Uh, he obviously wasn't drafted because he played in the 20s, his three, uh, sorry, his era of the 11 defenders to play in at least 410 games, he was fourth in goals and goals per game, fourth in assistances per game, and fourth in points points per game. So he is the fourth or third, even by offensive pointers, best offensive defenseman of his era, um, and uh, the sixth overall best defenseman in terms of uh, point shares, and third in point shares total. So you know it it thinks of him pretty highly. I think uh, King Clancy, um, his their eras overlap and he's he's a little late for uh, george boucher uh so i'm trying to think of who oh eddie shore is probably the other defenseman who overlaps with them right so you know good company playoff wise uh he was uh not his offensive numbers dipped a lot in the playoffs he was uh 14th in playoff goals among defensemen 15th in assists and 18th in points but of course this is a guy who um he was actually known for his physical play and he wasn't, despite his decent offensive numbers among defensemen, he was not actually like he definitely, we can assume, I think safely that he was playing a shutdown role in the playoffs yeah. um, because like of his, he, what's his, I got to pull up his nickname. He had a crazy nickname. Um, hold on a second. Give you some idea of like the type of player he might've been um, big train. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was. Do, do we have his height anywhere? Um, let's see if I can find out his height. Yeah, he was six foot two, and he played in the twenties. So you know, he was a. This is a big man. Um, he was uh, only two hundred pounds, but uh, I mean, I think there probably weren't a ton of six foot two, two hundred pound hockey players at the time. I could be wrong. That doesn't seem like. Well, it's uh, the same nickname as uh, Walter Johnson, the uh, the yeah. famous baseball pitcher who was just taller and had like a crazy fastball and it was yeah. you know if you got a nickname like big train back then um it, it wasn't sarcastic it's you were the you were the biggest guy around kind of so yeah and i mean like if you look up pictures of him he looks fairly intimidating um so the adjustment for error from hockey reference really helps him a lot because it always does for players who played then it bumps him up to 492 points as opposed to 186 and that puts him at an 81 point per 82 game Average, which is of course silly, because there's no way, um, and that is 51 points better than his real 80 game average, 82 game average. So you know that's silly. Um, he doesn't qualify for the versus X adjustment because he just didn't score enough. Weirdly, he was traded a whole bunch of times. Um, first, he was traded uh, at 25. Um, 
to uh, not to Pittsburgh, from Pittsburgh. Why did I say to Pittsburgh? Uh, he was traded, um, sorry, to the Americans from Pittsburgh. So he was it. He was actually a senior player um, for a, pit, a team in Pittsburgh in like a semi-pro or or amateur league, and they were the, this team was so good that they became the Pittsburgh Penguins, like the the um, or Penguins, um, sorry, Pirates, the uh, the original Pittsburgh hockey uh, NHL hockey team. They basically were so good that the owner decided like I can't have this like amateur team here we got it and he, he got them into the nhl and and then they became the pittsburgh pirates and then a little bit later uh, a year later he was traded to the americans for a guy named charlie langlois and then uh, a few years later uh, when he was 29 he was traded to the maroons for money he was traded again at 32 to, for a guy named teddy graham who I, I doesn't even have a hockey reference page and then um at 33 with in this Big, big trade for the time with uh, the Roy Goldsworthy and Roger Jenkins. He was traded to the Habs for Lauren Shabbat, uh, Marty Burke, and Howie Morenz near the end of Howie Morenz's career. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Howie Morenz, of course, played only a couple more years and then uh, sadly died. Um, but it was a big, big trade. And, uh, I mean, I think, um, you know, at this point, Howie Morenz was like a bit of a shadow his former self. Um, yeah. So that's so that's why it happened. Um, and then the, and then it was actually a three team trade because immediately afterwards he was traded back to the Maroons. Uh, Conacher was for uh, the rights to Herb Kane, and this is Herb Kane at 21. So he would then, uh, I mean, he would have his like crazy, crazy uh, record breaking season. If anyone knows, Herb Kane once set the the points record in an NHL season in the 40s, but that was for the Bruins many many years later when he was in his 30s. So that trade didn't really have an impact on that, but a bunch of trades, which is weird. And I do wonder if the reason he was traded, because he does seem to have been an effective player, is maybe something to do with his offseason, um, not hijinks, but like his obsession with playing other sports in the offseason, as we will get to. Um, I do wonder how many teams were like really annoyed that. He- some people would just go to their jobs and Lionel Conacher would like start a new league in another sport and like, wait a minute. Um, so he was top five in heart voting twice back when there was no Norris trophy. Uh, hockey reference paints him as the best defensive player in 1934, as well as uh, another uh, top five, another time in 29, he was top five player also to- overall in 34. Um, so he had a couple uh, decent years. In terms of that, he, of course, doesn't have a lot of offensive accomplishments because he was a defenseman in the 20s and 30s, but he did make the assist leaderboard three times, which is a lot. He was also, unlike Harry Watson, a first-team all-star once. Um, I believe that was in 34, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, when he finished second in hurt voting, and he was also a second-team all-star twice. So he did have some uh, recognition, certainly much more than Harry Watson. And then here's where it gets totally fucking insane. In 1950 or 51, he was voted Canada's greatest male athlete of the half century. Wow. And here's why. I'm going to go in alphabetical order from the different sports because uh, there's too many of them to to like order it. So uh, once, supposedly, um, he was... Uh, he was competing in the Toronto. I, I say supposedly because I never know how how real these stories are. 
but he was he was competing in the Toronto City Baseball Championship, just the local city one, not not provincial or anything else. And he hit a triple that won the game. He then traveled across the city where he found his lacrosse team in the provincial championships down three goals to nothing. According to legend, he scored four goals and they won in the same day. (laughs) That's amazing. In boxing, he was an amateur uh, light heavyweight boxing champion. I think at the provincial level, I can't quite remember. He also, uh, lore has it that he was knocked out by uh, Jack Dempsey at one point. Oh man! (laughs) He had the distinction. Oh no! It was sorry. My my apologies. It was the it was the uh, national amateur light heavyweight boxing championship that he won. In football, he organized and captained the first professional football team in Canada, and then later, or sorry, earlier. On an amateur team, he won the Grey Cup, and he's one of only three players in history to have his name on both the Stanley Cup and the Grey Cup. Wow! <laughs> uh, in international, he in the International Professional Lacrosse League, in which he was involved in the founding of, in one of his many off seasons, he led the league in points one season when he was not playing hockey because uh, it was in the summer, and he had almost double second place. Uh, uh, the, the next guy, the second overall point leader, had almost like half the points, slightly more than half the points he did. Um, He also uh, was an Ontario lightweight wrestling champion, just provincial, not national. In total, uh, people believe he won 11 separate individual um, uh, championships in various sports. Sorry, not individual, uh, 11 championships in various different sports. Um, and, And that might actually be not a full accounting of them because, um, that might just be during his teen years. I'm not 100% sure about that. Uh, the Wikipedia article could be clear. So, in hockey, he was the best defenseman by a points on the 34 Blackhawks. That's the year that he also was a first-team All-Star and uh, came in second for the Hart nomination. They won uh, the Stanley Cup that year. Uh, he also won a Stanley Cup in 35 for the Maroons, where he was, who knows what his role was, because he was top four in points. Uh, but, you know, it was a it was a different time. Um, he also uh, was the best defenseman on the uh, 1920 Toronto Canoe Club Memorial Cup champions. <laughs> um, and you remember how I was saying that he was on an amateur team that was so good that they became an NHL team in Pittsburgh. Well, yep. before they became an NHL team, they won the United States Amateur Hockey Association Championship in 24. The team was called the Pittsburgh Yellow Jackets. And as I said, he also won the Grey Cup in 1922 on the Argonauts when they were still an amateur team. So, like, I have no idea if he really truly belongs just for his hockey career. I, I, would, I tend to say yes, but I feel like this is a person. The NHL was the last, like, the Football Hall of Fame had already put him in before yeah. the NHL. Um, and I sort of think that that was like, like he made the, uh, oh, sorry, the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Sorry, not the pro. Uh, in 64. And he made the Cross Hall of Fame in 65. And it took the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame another 30 years to put him in. Um, I just, I understand that there were many multi-sport athletes in uh, in the 20s. But like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, yeah, that's that's pretty wild. He sounds... Sounds kind of like uh, like an old-timey Bo Jackson. Yes. Something like that, where it's like, no matter what he did, he was the best at it. Like, you know, like, just, you know, Bo Jackson played 
two sports professionally, um, you know, was like a, you know, a, a, like a sprinting champion in college, probably could have played just about any sport he wanted him to, um, you know, and then this guy played, you know, it wasn't, that's the thing. It's so many of them too. It's like a lot of guys, um, are very good with cross players who are good, good hockey players. The skills seem to be quite transferable. Yeah. But he's also a, a great baseball player. He's also a great football player. Like, it just sounds to me like he was just a phenomenal athlete. And Not to mention a boxer and a wrestler. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and like freakishly strong too. Yeah. So it's like he was just good at every single sport he played in and not just like uh oh you're good at this one too like it's like you're dominant at every sport because you're just that good of an athlete yeah um it really one of the things i was trying to think about when i was doing his research is like why had i never heard i'd heard of lionel conacher the nhl defenseman i had never heard of lionel conacher the like greatest athlete in canadian like the first half of the 20th century you know yeah in Canadian sports, like you could argue if you were, if you were doing it by versatility, you could argue he's what he possibly is the greatest Canadian athlete of, of the 20th century. If it's, if it's by ber- versatility and not by like, you know, one specific dominant sport. Yeah. And like, I'm like, why, why have I never heard of this guy? But he, he won that. He was designated the, the uh, athlete of the half century in like 1950 or 51. And he died in 54. Oh, and I was man. thinking, sorry, go ahead. No, just like that's so like like he he like to to be sort of that revered, but then die so quickly after receiving that honor, and it's like maybe that's why like he didn't he didn't live a you know, a long enough life for like our parents to well exactly hearing about him and that kind of stuff. Right. My mom was five when he yeah. died, and like she was never like athletic, and she was not in sports. And my father's from the states, so. My parents just never heard of this guy. Um, I asked, I asked on a forum, like, what, like, do is there anything that commemorates him? And apparently, there's a park at like Saint Clair and Avenue Road, basically in Toronto, that has a plaque. <laughs> but that's about it. And the weird thing is, he so he was also a provincial member of parliament and a federal member of parliament. In addition, um, <laughs> there's like nothing this guy didn't do. Yeah, yeah, like he. So well, it's crazier because he. Uh, he was a provincial member of parliament. He then joined he, the army in in World War II, even though he was in his 40s and he was in the Air Force. Um, it does seem like he might not have actually flown a plane because he was like 42. But then, so he served in the army and then he came back and then he became a member of um, federal parliament. But I I used to live in his uh in his old district his federal district not his uh if I look at uh the provincial district um oh no I lived in his provincial district and his federal district I haven't seen a single thing about Lionel Conacher in that area I don't live there anymore but I lived there for years yeah and the park that commemorates him is apparently closer to where he was born rather than when he where he was the the MP and MPP but like. As you said, Bill, this is somebody who did everything. He was also the chairman of the Ontario Athletic Commission for a while. Um, you know, it's it's weird that yeah, there isn't uh, uh, the the Pro Football Researchers Association compared him to Jim Thorpe. Was, um, yeah, that was going to be my other comparison. Yeah, <laughs> um, but like, it just seems to me that like it's strange 
Oh, okay. So the the Canadian Male Athlete of the Year is actually uh, the award is named the Lionel Con the Lionel Conacher Award. So that's the best uh -huh. thing. So there there we go. There's something that acknowledges it. But like it just seems strange to me that this guy isn't more famous. And I think you're right. It's something to do with the fact that like he died so long ago. Um, that like it's not even our parents don't even really know about him. And yeah. and it just hasn't aside from that Canadian male. And I gotta say when they they say someone wins wins the um, Canadian Male Athlete of the Year award. That's what they call it. They don't call it the Lionel Conacher, as far as I yeah. can remember hearing. I've I've never I've never heard that name uh, referred to. Yeah. So it just it seems like this, unlike Harry Watson, and this is me personally. I like I think this is a no brainer. Like he he was one of the better defensemen of his era, but he was also at the same time like he would go off in the off season and found a lacrosse league and then dominate it while he's <laughs> playing the, in the NHL. Like right. it's just ridiculous. He just seems like this is the kind of person you want to celebrate, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like sort of like a larger than life, uh, you know, almost it, like it's, it's really rare to get an athlete of that level of skill. Um, you know, like you, uh, somebody comparing him to Jim Thorpe is like, you know, that's a name that any sort of sports fan who's at all interested in the history of sports has definitely heard before. Yeah. And then, you know, like I was saying that the Bo Jackson comparison, but like even like it's so hard to be good at multiple sports at, at, at a professional level that like that's it's a crazy accomplishment, even even though it was the old days and maybe the talent pool was smaller, like to be to be not just able able to play all those sports, but to dominate every single one of them. I mean, like even Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time, when he went and played baseball, he was, he was OK, he was good, but like. You know, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. Like, yeah. you know, had he started younger, I think he probably could have done it. But, you know, it, it you know, play, playing single A ball, like you're a phenomenal ball player. Playing double A ball, you're a phenomenal ball player. And I think he hit like about 240 or 250. That's yeah. not bad. But like compared to how crazy dominant he was at basketball, it's like this guy was dominant every sport. Like everything. He was a champion in basically everything he did. <laughs> Yeah, and like, obviously, some of that has to do with the time, right? Like, he had he been playing. First of all, he been playing later. He would have been forced into making, probably forced into making a decision to at least focus on only like two or three sports or something, rather than the like six or whatever he was doing. Yeah. But also, the competition likely would have been more consistent. But still, it's still you know he can't help when he was born, and yeah. it does seem like he was just good at everything. Yeah. Um, I have no idea how true that story is. Him is winning two championships in one day. Um, in really, while the games were overlapping, I have no idea if that's actually true or not. Uh, the source is um, what is the source any good? I didn't. Even, I I enjoyed the story so much. I didn't want to find out. I mean, it it was it was uh it was in the Sun in 1950. So given that it was like literally like 40 years later, <laughs> it probably yeah. isn't true. But uh, um. It's it's uh still um it's one of these things where it's like this guy seems like so good he couldn't have possibly existed like he it's inhuman and it's pretty impressive um I don't know I I'm I was like reading this I was just absolutely in awe um I've never like you said I was thought of Bo Jackson I thought of Deion Sanders as well mm -hmm. um but like Bo Jackson is closer in terms of like how good he was at his very best right because yeah. like. Deion Sanders was 
never a great baseball player. Like he was a good, he was a much better baseball player than Michael Jordan, but like he was not, you know, he wasn't as good as he he was in football. He had that electric speed, so he's a great leadoff man. He just like could run a four three, you know. Um, Yeah. But like still, we haven't seen you and I. I don't think have seen anyone who's that like who's done this across as many sports as this guy. No, no, I I don't think you could right. Like even even just even like just mentioning you know Deion Sanders and Bo Jackson, they had to basically have it specially written into their contracts that they were allowed to finish their baseball season before they started playing football. Yeah, Um, and like almost everyone else just makes a choice at some point. Uh, Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's there's many, many uh, football players who can also play baseball. Uh, Tom Brady was famously drafted by the Montreal Expos, but never played baseball. Um, yeah. Danny Ainge, uh, the basketball player, was drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. Uh, Tom Blavin was drafted by the LA Kings. Um, I did not know uh, that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, he was a hockey player as well, but he was just so much better at baseball <laughs> uh, that he, I think he made the right choice. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no shit. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, there's like, there's, there's a lot of guys, uh, but it, especially it sort of seems like the, the football baseball thing is much more common because uh, those seasons don't overlap in college. So you can play both. You play baseball in the spring and, you, yeah. and into the summer, and then you play football in the fall. So you can yeah. actually be a two-sport athlete in college. So that's sort of the, uh, sort of the American split that you get and you don't get, you can't get like football, basketball players because they, their seasons are, you know, concurrent. So it's, there's just no way for them to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, otherwise I think you would probably have a lot more, especially, um, especially guys who are tight ends. Now that's sort of the, uh, the big thing. Now, a lot of, a lot of guys who, uh, who end up being tight ends in the NFL have some sort of a basketball background because they're just so good at like, you know, jumping up for rebounds Well, they're really good at jumping up in the end zone to catch a touchdown pass, but to have, so some, some people are just athletes, no matter what sport they play, they just, but like you said, they have to make a choice nowadays. They can't play both. Um, and you know, they try to, I think these days sort of try to pick the one that they think they're going to be like a superstar at so they can make sure they make a lot of money. Um, you know, I think Bo Jackson was the only one that we can think of who was like elite at both sports. Like, well, so just just played baseball, and had he not been injured, probably been a Hall of Famer, and he could have just played football. And if he hadn't been injured, he could have been a Hall of Famer. So the other thing that um, someone might mention to me was also uh, the the winter summer athlete uh, Olympic athletes, right? People who will do uh, like a, a common thing would be like cycling and then like cross country skiing or something like that, right? So there yeah, are people uh, who do... sort go uh, ahead. Clara Hughes, very famously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, did cycling and uh, speed skating. So. Speed skating, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's, so there's that, but it's still really rare, and it's mm-hmm. still just two sports usually. And yeah, it's just. Uh, uh, so, so while we're talking about this, I did want to mention that um, uh, Tom Glavin, um, when he was in his, uh, let me do bad. Um, wow, was he? Yeah, so he was like in his forties. He actually played one ECHL game as a as a like stunt. Huh. He did not have any points. Anyway, I did <laughs> I did not know that, but that's cool. Um, but like it does, it just seems like these you know these these five one two three yeah these five sports at least that we know of that he was good at all of them and great at all of them really 
Yeah. Um, it just seems like it's something will never happen again, right? Like just yeah. because of what you're talking about, both in terms of the being forced to choose in terms of overlapping seasons, but also in this day and age, it's like there's a lot of pressure for the very best to concentrate, you know, on that sport to exclusion of everything else, including yeah. their like social life and, and that kind of thing, right? Yeah. So it's hard to imagine someone having the, the time uh, to practice five sports into their 30s. Yeah. You know, at a professional or a, a very high amateur level in the case of some of his uh, sports. Anyway, I'm just, I'm glad I, I I'm glad we, they inducted him in 94 because I was able to learn about this guy who is nuts. Yeah. <sighs> Do you have anything else to say about him? I don't know, but it's, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, when, when we thought it was going to be an old timer episode, we're like, oh, this one might be a little bit, uh, you know, we might have to sort of scratch for something interesting to say about these guys, but it did not prove to be the case. Yeah, I mean, Harry Watt, had it just been Harry Watson, it would have been like, what the hell is happening? Why did they do this? But it, it, I have no idea. I mean, I think you're right about Harry Watson. I think it was because of the team he was on. But it's like interesting to me that one guy who was inducted probably should have been inducted, like, you know, when the hall opened. Or the yeah. hall opened in the 40s, so maybe a little bit later. But, like, you know, when they were, when they, when Canada was proclaiming, Lionel Conacher as its uh, athlete of the first, of the half century. <laughs> yeah. It might have been a clue to the Hall of Fame to be like, yeah, I induct this guy. Whereas the other guy, it's like, why are you here exactly? <laughs> oh, well. Um, yeah, so Harry Watson, I assume we're both a no. That's a no. And Lionel Conacher. Yeah, it's a big yes. Yes. Um, so we will be returning to some normal... Uh, recently uh, retired players next episode for the uh, class of 93 and it's going to be a normal size class too so that that should be fun so uh, we hope you will uh, tune in to that episode with four four people going off <laughs> imagine oh man I, I'm going to have to get a couple of beers for that episode <laughs> can you can you believe it they're inducting the, the number of people they actually are they're allowed to it's crazy <laughs> All right, so we uh, hope you enjoyed this episode, and we, we hope to see you next episode. Take care.